Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a rate increase is coming for some on the Affordable Care Act Health Insurance Exchange. Then, where the state's foster care system stands on enacting reforms. Later, a visit from the experts of Everyday Tech on helping students take care of their tech devices during the school year. And the second of a two-part interview with Jackson Mayor Tony Yarber. Less than 1% of the crimes in terms of major crimes that happen in the city uh, are random. Almost all of those crimes happen between people who know each other and deal in a life that is conducive for uh, those kinds of crimes. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some Mississippians on the Affordable Care Act exchange are facing a rate increase next year. The state insurance department is approving an average rate increase of 43 percent for ACA participants using Humana as their health insurance provider. Humana is one of two companies providing health care coverage in Mississippi through the ACA federal exchange. Bob Williams, who is with the agency, says the rate will depend on the type of policy people have and the county they live in. He speaks with with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Well, you know, it is a lot. Uh, one of the things that you have to keep in mind is, although there is this average rate increase of 43%, uh, the majority of people that have coverage through the federal marketplace in Mississippi also receive uh, a subsidy uh, from the federal government that helps to pay uh, those premiums. So although there will be a rate increase, uh, the the policyholders will still receive their subsidy, which will help uh, offset uh, some of that. What are we talking about in terms of the average cost of the premiums previously as opposed to with this increase? Is there an average you can give us? Well, one thing I can tell you is, and I can I can talk to you about an average example, um, but one thing we have to keep in mind is that it depends on um, the county and the state you're in, it depends on your actual policy that you have with Humana. You know, it depends on what you've picked. You know, is it a silver plan? Is it a gold plan? Uh, all those factors come into play as to what you will really see as far as an increase is concerned. So, and, and this is just a made-up example, but, but let's just say that you had a silver plan and you were in DeSoto County. And let's say that you had been, pay, you had been paying presently $82, but that included your subsidy. The full price of that plan 
to you without the subsidy would have been somewhere around $284.75. With the premium increase, let's just say, because we talked about it being an average of 43%, but let's just say in that partic- for that particular plan in that particular county, they're seeing a 37% increase. Then you're going to see the total cost go up to the member uh, by like $105.33. So that would be the impact that the member could see. But now that that's just an example. It could be far less. So it, it dep- just depends? It just depends. It depends on what plan you've chosen with Humana, you know, what county you're in, and, and those type things as to how the premium impact will affect you. Why is it so different from county to county? Well, it depends on the geographical areas of the state, and it also depends on the plans, and some of this is very, very complicated based on actuary formulas uh, that are set up on how these plans are priced uh, from county to county. Why do they want this increase? Well, I, one, there are several things and factors uh, that you've got to look at. Um, under the Affordable Care Act, one thing that actually helped the insurance company is insurance companies, not just Humana, is there was reinsurance programs uh, that actually helped pay back the insurance companies. It was under the Affordable Care Act, and that helped offset uh, premium increases. Those are ending for 2017. And so now any of the insurance companies across the United States are going to be affected by those reinsurance premiums not coming back to them anymore. And the only way they now can deal with it is that they have to look at raising rates. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Bob Williams of the State Insurance Department on the rate increase the department approved for insurance provider Humana on the ACA exchange. Up next, where the state's foster care system stands on enacting reforms. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, is it jelly bean? The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. Well, the conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated. With less than three months to Election Day, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. But whatever it is, we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Reforming Mississippi's foster care system under the scrutiny of a federal judge's order is no easy task. But David Chandler, Commissioner of Child Protection Services, is working to do just that. Chandler says the state has fulfilled every item it promised in response to the court order. He says the task of fixing the broken system is huge, but he believes the agency now has the leadership to make it happen. Chandler speaks with MPB's Evelina Burnett. You know, we call that our our roadmap. It was the order that was entered uh, December 22nd, I believe, of last year. And that interim remedial order, which was signed and filed in federal court, signed by the federal judge in charge of this case, Judge Lee, 
had um, several, two or three pages of one requirement after the next that we were to uh, meet in order to be in compliance with, with his order. Uh, it was a rather daunting task, and to be honest with you, I was, um, I was apprehensive as to whether it could be done, but I am pleased to report to you that we have completed every requirement listed in that interim order. And the way the courts know that we have done that is our our consulting group, Public Catalyst out of New York, uh, reviews our work and certifies to the court that the work has been complete. Now, there's, there's one requirement listed in the order that has not been certified, although we have completed it. Uh, Public Catalyst will be back in town visiting with us. We intend to show them at that time that the requirement has been met so that they can certify to the court that everything in that interim order has been met and our work is complete as far as that interim order is concerned. One of the major things that the agency has had trouble with, and, that, and I think a plan for hiring was in the interim order. I don't know that you necessarily had to have everybody hired by a certain date, but and you received some money from the legislature that was to go to salary. So how is the hiring going? How many people have, be, have you been able to bring on board already? Well, the hiring is right on schedule. And of course, the reason the hiring is on schedule is because the legislature was so very kind to provide the money needed to hire these well-trained uh, social workers to perform these duties, that what we refer to as the frontline duties out in the field, uh, serving the children who are either um, perhaps um, in some type of jeopardy because of a situation at home or either in our custody. It's a very tough job, and... Um, you know, it's it's just no way to attract those people unless we're paying competitive salaries. Because of the money the legislature gave us, we're able to do that. And the hiring is right on schedule. We have uh, the capacity to train 30 social workers at any given time. We've employed the first 30. They're in their training, and within the next two weeks, they'll be dispersed to the field to, to begin performing those duties under very close supervision, let me say. Were you able to raise the salaries of existing employees as well? Oh, absolutely. Yes, uh, the uh, salaries of our existing employees was uh, far below the state average for people who perform that type of work. We are now paying a competitive salary. I have received so much positive feedback from that salary increase for our uh, hard-working, much-deserving employees. One of the other major issues was uh, well-trained and, and having enough foster parents. How are things going on that effort? We're making inroads into that, uh, that particular area, but I can tell you we need many, many more people to volunteer as foster parents. Uh, Justice Beam directs what we, re- what we refer to as Rescue 100, and Rescue 100 is almost complete with its second phase. What that is, she develops a type of um, program. We have 100 volunteers per phase 
to go through the training, and we're, we're in the process of that second phase now. MPB's Evelina Burnett with David Chandler, head of the state's Child Protection Services. Up next, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on helping students take care of their tech devices during the school year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The conventions are over, candidates have been nominated, and with less than three months to Election Day. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, is it jelly Bean? The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sheree Brent in studio with Ashley Jeffcoat, Digital Media Director for MPB. And since school is about to start, it has already begun for many folks. So we're going to talk about how to help your children take care of their tech devices during the school year. Ashley, good morning. Good morning, Sherita. So they're doing this thing now, issuing iPads and laptops to students so they yeah. can go home and do work. It's so awesome. <laughs> I wish someone would just give me an iPad to right. do my work on. <laughs> it's such a part of the curriculum now, and technology is such a part of the way teachers teach and the way they interact with the students and the way the students turn in their projects, their assignments and things like that, that it's pretty much essential at this point that the teachers check out these kind of materials to make sure that the students have access to this. And it's better to go ahead and incorporate the technology instead of trying to ban it and get it out of the classroom because it's going to be an integral part. Absolutely. And a lot of teachers are already doing like leaps and bounds ahead because they're like, there is no, you can't just ban it anymore. You can't just Mm -hmm. say, well, don't do it because they're going to bring their technology and they need to know how to use it. Do you think that there is a necessity? It's almost pretty much mandatory for your child to be able to, to know how to use these devices because it's a part of the way we function now. It is. It's absolutely mandatory. Just like how when I was growing up, we had to take computer classes. It was essential that we learn how to use a computer. Mm-hmm. It is even more essential now that they learn how to use a tablet and they learn how to use the Internet and they learn how to use it safely and in a good controlled environment that school can provide. How young do you think children need to start learning how to use tech devices? There are tons of different studies and opinions on this that you should avoid having them exposed to the to screen time really young in life and then you have to limit it very much. But I think it's harder and harder now for children and young young children and even getting into like middle school age children to avoid it, to be away Mm -hmm. from it for any particular amount of time. So I'm not really sure from like a child behavioral standpoint what's going to be best, but it's really up to you as a parent to decide what's going to be best for your child. But by the time that they start school, and I'm talking kindergarten, they probably should have at least a familiarity with the way touchscreen devices and computers work. Because there are a lot of educational things on these tech devices, interactive, I mean, all kinds of things that are just really wonderful learning tools. Let's talk about the school year starts, uh, your child is issued an iPad. My biggest concern would be, well, how do you take care of it? (laughs) Because it's not your property. Yeah. Now, in most cases, when the school checks these out to you, they will have a case on them. So you have that protection. But ultimately, you got to make sure that the the thing doesn't get broken. (laughs) Okay. And kids can be really hard on tech devices. Yes. 
So the first thing is to make sure that, A, the case stays on it. Case doesn't need to come off. That needs to just be a hard and fast rule that if you're using the iPad or whatever, you do not take the case off of it. That's the best bet you have to protect it. Next is to make sure that it's not used in sitting in places where they're eating. So if they're eating, drinking, anything like that, iPad's not allowed. Mm. You don't want to get it wet. So on the couch, you're on the iPad and there's a beverage next to you. What do you say to that? I would recommend that the beverage we put be finished. And then you can use the iPad. Okay. Don't want sticky fingers all over it because it's a good way to jam up something. You can get dirt and things like that underneath the buttons on the sides of these tablets. Mm-hmm. And that can mess them up. So it's important to keep the area very clean. Do you recommend cleaning the device at all? Like maybe with a, um, some kind of wipe or putting a protective screen over it? You definitely put a protective screen on it. That should be part of the case. You want to make sure you have that. And I do recommend that you buy special cleaning tools for your technology. Don't just use like an alcohol swipe or any, like an alcohol wipe um, because that much moisture may not be good for it. But they make specific cleaning tools for cleaning technology. So no Windex. Don't use the Windex on it. <laughs> Watch out with the Windex. It fixes a lot of things, but it will not clean your iPad effectively. Okay. So um, get the special cleaning pads and things like that to keep it clean and keep it free from gunk. Excellent. Well, we will talk more about this topic on Everyday Tech, the show this coming Wednesday. We'll get into parental controls and some things you can do to keep an eye on what your kids are doing on these devices. You can send us an email before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. And be sure to join us this Wednesday morning at 10 for Everyday Tech. For Ashley Jeffcoat, I'm Sharita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on the Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's capital city is the home of state government, industry, arts, and culture. It also is legendary for its potholes, aging water system, and rightly or wrongly, crime. MPB's Ezra Wall sat down with Jackson Mayor Tony Yarber to discuss some of Jackson's most pressing needs and most noteworthy accomplishments. Today, in the second of a two-part conversation, Yarber addresses crime in Jackson. The data says this. The data says in 2015, we experienced a 14.5% reduction in major crimes. Trend data is saying that this year we will see a reduction of 10%. So that's two back-to-back years And I've been in office two years, two back to back years where the capital city is seeing a reduction in major crimes. What that what that is, is that's three thousand less crimes being committed on the streets of the city of Jackson. That's a message that's being whispered when it needs to be yelled. Uh, The other thing in terms of uh, the data is that uh, we're actually budgeted for 500 police officers. You know how we're getting this work done with 390 sworn officers. So we've got men and women who are busting their tails every day to see 3,000 less crimes being committed in our city. Uh, The other thing is that if you come to downtown Jackson on any given Friday or Saturday night and you go to any of the uh, night spots, if you ride down and look at tags, you want me to tell you the majority of the tags, what they'll read at the bottom where you see the counties? Yeah. Madison and Rankin. So if 
the perception and everybody knows it in downtown Jackson. This is my case study. It's not scientific, but if you just go through, then you can do your own action research. Uh, but if you ride down in downtown Jackson, the streets are bad in a lot of cases. The lighting isn't the best. Uh, but yet and still, our friends and our neighbors still come and support their capital city by spending their dollars. So what should, what should be happening is that those friends and neighbors who are coming from other counties ought to be saying to their other friends and neighbors, look, the capital city isn't that bad because my wife goes at night and has a good time. My neighbors go at night. I take my wife. My friends go uh, to the capital city in a place where the perception of crime is. The chief says it this way, and and then I'll I'll jump off of this one. Uh, The chief says that uh, it is uh, less than 1% of the crimes in terms of major crimes that happen in the city uh, are random. Almost all of those crimes happen between people who know each other and deal in a life uh, that is conducive for uh, those kinds of crimes. That's so, Chief Lee Vance, Chief, Chief Lee of Vance, the Chief of Police, uh, who has ushered in a police department with uh, a state accreditation, the first in the city's uh uh, history since 1822. Now, uh, you, you mentioned the police chief. Uh, I want to talk about something, the sheriff of Hines County, which uh, for those who may not know, Jackson is inside Hines County. Uh, the sheriff of Hines County, uh, Victor Mason, recently said regarding uh, some of the events that have happened around the country, including in Baton Rouge, that something like that could happen here in Mississippi. So how do you respond to that? And how do you and your police chief and the sheriff work together to ensure that a thing like that doesn't happen, that the community here in the capital area has the proper relationship that they should with the police force and that the police force has the proper relationship with the community. Well, uh, the sheriff is absolutely right, because anytime you uh, take the attitude that it can't happen to you, then that arrogance creates um, a situation where it will eventually happen. Uh, the sheriff and uh, the police chief and uh, about eight other community members, the uh, chief of Byram, participated in a discussion that we had last week, a panel discussion called Us Versus Them. Uh, where we had a very honest conversation about uh, how we how those situations are created, how how they can put a city or a town in a situation to be uh, like uh, a Baton Rouge. And what was overwhelming that came out of that is that police officers and community members have to see uh, themselves as us and not as us versus them. And that happens through uh, intentional engagement. Uh, for example, the Jackson Police Department has its PALS program, which is a mentoring program for, for young men. Uh, they intentionally go out and they read books to children in local schools. We don't have officer-friendly anymore, but we, we do have our COPS meetings uh, that we do every week where we invite community members to come out to the police precinct and uh, have uh, real live conversations about the work that's going on with police police officers and they're canvassing. Uh, the police chief has, uh, he sends his people out to knock on doors and to say, here, you know, we're here in the community, we're here in the neighborhood, here's our phone number, here are the things that we're trying to get you engaged in. So uh, we have to just continue to be intentional about our efforts. And not only that, but we've got to be um, just old-fashioned about uh, our approach to dealing with people. We just got to love one another and uh, look at people as human beings and folks that God has created versus skin color and ethnicity and political engagement and all those other things that make us different. MPB's Ezra Wall with Jackson Mayor Tony Yarber. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. 
Coming up at 9, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show, there are several ways you can listen on our website, mpbonline.org, through the MPB Multimedia app, or search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. You can subscribe to the show right there. It's easy. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. It's Marketplace Tax for Monday the 8th. I'm Ben Johnson.